It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. Blackballed is dropping soon on The Ringer NFL feed. It's good to stay up to date. That's why you listen to all of your favorite Ringer podcasts, right? And that's why the 2024 Nissan Rogue has Google built right into its 12.3-inch touchscreen infotainment system. With Google Maps, Assistant, and more, you can stay up to date on everything that's ahead without even needing to connect your phone. Find your next adventure with a Nissan SUV. Learn more about the Nissan Rogue, Pathfinder, and Armada at NissanUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Duncan. Duncan just dropped a new kind of energy, and they call it Sparked Energy. Are you a spontaneous spirit who likes bringing a high-octane feel to the group chat? Grab a Berry Burst Sparked Energy. Love bringing that upbeat comedy vibe wherever you go? Turn the fun up to 11 with their peach sunshine flavor. Whatever your energy, Duncan's here to match it with a revitalizing burst of caffeine and full-on fruit flavors. Even better, a medium sparked energy is $3 now through March 19th. Drop by and get sparked by Duncan. Sparked energy drinks are fruit-flavored, contain 0% fruit juice. Beverages contain caffeine from caffeine and guarana. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. It's all about family! Family! Guys, that was a signal. Hello. Welcome into the Ringerverse. This is the Ringer's Nexus podcast feed for all things Phantom. You know who it is. Welcome back to Mint Edition. It's the once in a while podcast about all of the latest Phantom that you just can't live without. I'm Stephen Allman, senior producer at the Ringer. And joining me as always is my co-host, Ringer social coordinator, Lorna of the Means, explainer of the Midnight Boys. He's about to taste the rainbow, I guess. It's Joe me a dinner on. What's going on, Steve? Just a... Uh... Quick off the top, uh, <laughs> Stone Longer coordinator, my boy, is producer. Oh yes, yeah. You gotta, hey, you gotta put in that promotion, my boy. Don't let that. I'm not slide even running now. it back. I'm letting you. I'm letting you get your own intro in. That's Res- right. Res- respect your boy. Mm-hmm. Congrats, yeah. buddy. Hey, man, well deserved. Here. We grinding. You feel me? Hey, listen. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. It's nothing. It means absolutely nothing without my family. <laughs> family guys. Supposed that, to come out. It said family. That's the keyword. That was the keyword. Well, what it's the keyword now so that we can talk about our fun little programming reminders before we get started on our fun pod today. This Wednesday, you can catch us with the rest of the Midnight Boys, Van and Charles, talking about The Mandalorian every single Wednesday for the rest of this season. And on Fridays, you can catch Joe and Mal on the House of R doing their deep dives and the latest episodes of The Mandalorian as well. But on today's show, we're going to do a little bit of product placement of our own mm. and dive into Shazam Fury of the Gods. But before we go and do that, our friendly neighborhood spoiler warning for both the Shazam films and let's just say most of the Snyderverse in general, just to be safe. Are you ready, Jomi? What happened to no free ads? I mean, <laughs> certainly <laughs> Skittles paid a fortune for this. <laughs> Don't get twisted. An absolute bag. It'll cost you a bag and a half for what you got here. All right, let's get into it, Jomi. Nuts and bolts from the Fury of the Gods. Shazam! Directed by David F. Sandberg and written by Henry Gaiden and Chris Morgan, starring Zachary Levi, Rachel Ziegler, Helen Mirren, Lucy Liu, and many, many others. Taking place two years after the first film, Captain Marvel's family. No, the other one is tasked with defeating an ancient threat full of godly family beef, ancient magic, and the occasional unicorn sitting at a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not looking good, bruv. And disappointingly, having about a 30 million domestic opening as of right now. Jomi, my first question to you. Is it Shazover for our family? Well, look, there's a lot of game left. You know, you (laughs) never never really (laughs) know. How much game left? You never really know with the DC universe. 
you know, we'll get into like some of the stuff that happens posts of the movie, but you could never say never when okay. the DC universe is in flux like that. You really can't. Uh, so not looking great for its opening weekend. Kind of brought into a bit of controversy given uh, certain stars' personal politics and feelings, but we're putting that aside for right now. Not to say that that's going to spoil everything for us. And we're going to talk a little bit about the first Shazam movie. Obviously, this is a sequel, but I want to know what you thought about this first film going into its sequel because I remember looking on the first Shazam movie quite fondly and actually it still kind of holds up as one of my favorite DC movies to date. I enjoyed it because it was fun and had a, just an enormous amount of heart. You know, there was there's the moment moments with Freddie and Billy and their relationship and then just the like I mean said at the beginning family, man, like the movie screams you know, family. And that was something that we hadn't seen from the DC. We hadn't really seen like heart like that. And so it was very refreshing to see the first time around. And yeah, the first Shazam movie is absolutely one of the best DC movies to come out in recent history. It's a real, real treat because we were kind of deep in the Snyderverse at that time with, I think this was pre the Snyder cut coming out. And Everything was kind of just too gritty for me. I really like my own personal feelings about the Snyderverse aside. It definitely wasn't fitting something that I would have wanted. And then Shazam comes along and it's a breath of fresh air to me because it's exactly what not only a kid-oriented superhero film could be and should be, in my opinion, it's also kind of like nailing the character of... Billy Batson and what uh, Captain Marvel and Shazam could be, uh, should be, that I would love to see on screen. Basically like big, but in the superhero genre. Uh, knowing that there's uh, a legion of kids that become heroes for the right reasons and doing the right things for the right reasons. That's a very important distinction. Uh, not to like, you know, slander our guy Peter Parker here, but you know, he was in the films, he was ultimately underwritten by a billionaire. And uh, the character kind of like does this for personal reasons, kind of like, you know, it's not true at all. Not None kind of, of not true. kind of. It's None occasionally. Of that is true. I'm talking about Peter from the comics. Like he'll get it, it up, caught up into some bullshit about being Spider Man. Like it gets messy over there. But being a 12 year old kid from Philadelphia and really having some of the purest intentions and heart is kind of what makes him really the chosen one from this wizard and makes him the hero of the day. I really, really liked the first Shazam. So bringing us to the sequel, what do you think was the thing that this movie needed to get right in order to be successful in your opinion? And then to start our conversation, was Shazam 2 successful to you? Shazam 2 was not successful to me because what I wanted them to get right was the heart and they did not succeed in that arena. You know, there's a scene where Billy is talking to his older sister and they're sitting in the, the, the cave of eternity. She's like, hey, look, I know, you know, you're scared that when you age out, we won't be there for you, that you'll go. And it's something you need to figure out. And I thought, okay, here we go. Here's the, here's the, that's the arc. That's the emotional gravitas. That's what's going to propel us through the film. And they literally don't bring it up until the end where he's having the conversation with the mom, which by the way, is also something they just blow over. Right. right? He doesn't call her mom at the beginning. So like, oh, bye Rosa. And we're like, oh, okay. That's going to be a thing. The mom thing. And then they don't interact for the rest of the film until the end when the world is ending and then he calls her mom and we're supposed to be like, man, that really was really fulfilling. It's like, no, man, like I could see the seeds they were planting, but ultimately it didn't come to fruition and it just felt empty watching I, the film. I, I agree with you here. Um, while I wouldn't say that the movie is entirely successful to me, 
as as a whole, there are parts that I very much liked, but I agree with you that the most important thing that came out of the first one that wasn't really echoed in this one is the idea of Billy connecting with and keeping a family. Uh, not only with his, you know, adopted and fostered brothers and sisters, but also with his foster parents. Um, you can see that he accepts his family come the end of the first one. You can see that he's like kind of grown into uh, his role. And throughout this movie, he kind of just acts a little petulantly because he thinks he's about to lose it. Like the main like emotional crux that Billy has in this is that he's about to turn 18 and he's more or less told that he's going to be effectively out on the street and done because, you know, he will age out of the foster program. They will not get money. uh, His parents will not get money to support him. And he'll basically be a burden and have to leave. Um, I feel like that's a very, like, large emotional leap to take. Even if you are a kid and even if you are in, like, uh, you know, a different circumstance like that. I obviously can't act like I would know how you would act in a circumstance like that, but we can't, we can't argue that Billy doesn't have a loving family and knows that, like, he is well taken care of. Uh, there's this, like, great quote that, like, I've loved from one of my favorite children books ever. It's from uh, The Little Prince. And uh, it's about, it basically, it's about a boy and a flower who falls in love with a flower. And the flower says to the little boy, um, I love you, and it's my fault if you haven't known that all this while. If Billy thinks that after all of this, he's just going to be out on the street and alone, I don't know if anybody but Billy is responsible for not knowing that because, like, you can't look at this family and not think, oh, yeah, we're just going to abandon you, Billy. Like, we don't love you, clearly. Is it, was, am, I, am I off here, Jomi? No, it just, it, it, like, clear, like, you know, I guess the thing with, He's 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 had emotional like he's been scarred right like he has deep emotional trauma about being in the foster system being left so even though he's found this good thing at the end of the day he's still not a hundred percent sure like oh yeah they'll you know keep me or I'll be you know they won't throw me out on the streets because he's just been like worn down by like remember he taught he, he mentions it like his dad left him his mom left he's been in and out of homes his entire life, you know, and, you know, it's only been two years since he found this family, which is, you know, which is great. But at the end of the day, he still has that shred of doubt that it might not all come together, which can make sense. I think, yeah. And that, and it can make sense. I I just think the the movie could have done a little bit better. It could have done actually illustrating that because it starts with Billy after our, you know, Again, uh, oddly violent and shocking opening with uh, the Sisters Dude. of Atlas. Oh, my God. We'll get to that in a minute. But we we are introduced to Billy basically like trying to attempt to go to therapy with a pediatrician who has a, who basically has the office of a therapist, uh, basically trying to reconcile with his issues of abandonment, which I, I think could be great. I wish that we kind of saw Billy doing a bit more of that work because he's like on his way to making that realization for himself. I would have loved to see him maybe attempt to go to therapy a couple more times in between then. You just Uh, watched Shazam therapy, the movie. Oh, seeing, well, first of all, seeing a superhero in therapy is inherently funny to me, but seeing a kid in the body of a superhero going to therapy can actually sound pretty like cathartic and interesting because the therapist doesn't know the like actual identity of this superhero, but they still need to get some shit off, which is yeah. <laughs> which is good. Um, I, I just I think that we could have used a little bit more of that. Um, that being, I don't said, know about therapy. I mean, maybe not therapy, but like he's, way, he's yeah, made more emotional conversations with the people around him, right? You know, because it starts off with like you know one or two of those, and then it's just movie. And then we're all good at the end, which mm-hmm. you know doesn't really doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, uh, he could have stood to have a couple of more insightful conversations with his family, other than just exactly. being like afraid and isolated. And I think that that's a little bit of the biggest problem for me that I would want to address first and foremost. And and I think that's with our lead Zachary Levi. I loved. Zachary Levi in the first Shazam because I think he perfectly encapsulated 
in tandem with his child version, the emotions and attitude that he had inhabiting this superhero's body and like trying to figure out what it all meant. And I think this one, we kind of just see Zachary Levi acting a bit more petulant and plucky and like that word. a that tad word. there's that there's that word again there's our favorite word, word. Uh, kind of just acting a bit more you know absurd and over the top even in contrast to the rest of his uh, superhero family to just kind of seem like he's a bit more childish for no real reason and it doesn't like because whenever Billy changes back to his kid form it feels like there's a different person on screen Rather than this is just Big Billy. Does that does this make sense? Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. And like the first movie, it was a little more cohesive in terms of you know we could see the through line between Billy, whether he was you know not Shazam or was Shazam, and this one there's a little bit of a dichotomy between the two. I'm pointing where, to this and I'm like, that's Zachary Levi just being yeah. goof, rather yeah. than this part. But to be even, I mean. There wasn't a ton of Billy in this movie, though. There really wasn't. There really wasn't. And I kind of so, wish that there were. I, w- I wish there was a little more Billy, because part of the, the fun of the first one was Billy and Freddy, like their little adventures, you know? Like, sure, we can't see them, like, you know, redoing the characters again in terms of, like, remake. Like, part of the fun of the first one was them finding out who Shazam was, his powers, and, and whatnot. So we can't just rehash that. But at the same time, their relationship was kind of, I don't want to say pushed to the side because they did have moments, but it wasn't, you know, as central as, you know, it was in the first movie. And so we kind of did, I kind of did miss that relationship a lot. Well, well, they're mainly isolated for most of this movie. Like there's an A and B plot given with uh, Billy and Freddie, and then occasionally they intersect. Uh, Let's go to Freddie's side of this where, he is now like empowered by his superhero form and more or less wants to keep doing that because that's where he feels the most powerful. That's the only thing that feels special about him. And that's a, this is a very good, you know, through line to have. Uh, I wish that we could have seen a bit more of uh, Freddy's like internal struggle because there's not enough meat on the bones to when we finally get to our main conflict and our you know potential love interest and uh the guest appearance of rachel ziegler there's just enough awkwardness here to make it sort of work but i i really think that like there could have been a couple of bit more refined pacing parts to this show uh when we were introduced to rachel ziegler and like the uh overall plight of Freddie. What did you think about all of this? So let me, let me go macro and then micro sure. on here real quick. Big, big picture. I got it. Like I, I see what's mm. happening. You know, this is standard. You know what I mean? As soon as she started talking about her sister who got beef out, like, you're like, oh, yeah, here yeah, we go. No, she, she, she's an op. You know what I mean? Uh, Freddie, you walk right into a trap, you know, like, it wasn't supposed down. to be like this. Yeah. Like, come on, man. You know, but, you know, these these are, you know, standard things in, in films that, like, you know, happen. So I wasn't too bogged down by, like, a trope, right? Like, you know, it is what it sure. is. Micro. This is, and the, not really minor, but something that I I didn't understand at the beginning. So when the when they first meet, right, she's like, hey, where's uh, class? And Freddie, you know, talks to these bullies. And remember, he's got, like, a, you know, a walking cane. He's got a limp. You know, and the kids kick him down and break his cane and are mean to him. And I'm like, that's positively insane. Didn't that would, these chumps learn that would last never time? fly? Not even that. Not even not even sure. that. It's like, bro, you just beat up a dude who needs a cane to walk. What's wrong with you? Beat up a disabled kid. Like you can't do that twice. You can't do that. And the kids are walking in the hallway. Nobody's got their phone out. Nobody's putting this on IG. Nobody is doing anything. Nobody's putting this on TikTok. Like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Listen, I'm not going to act like I would know the first thing about being a teacher in a, in a, in a bully situation, because I certainly wouldn't act like that teacher. But 
to have it be more or less hunky dory, be like, all right, fellas, let's settle down and let's take him out of the trash can. Um, I got detention for less, <laughs> much less, much less. That's 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 those are charges. That's prison. Yeah. Like I was watching. I was like, yo, you want to let that slide? Those kids parents got to own something. Like they like, there's no way that they can't just be getting away with this. It just really minor, but like in that whole Rachel and or sorry, whole and Freddie interaction, I was just like, there's no way that those kids just like walked off real sweet like that. Like that doesn't make any sense. But other than that, their whole relationship thing was like very bog standard cinema stuff. Joe, me, really if you me. could turn into a superhero, and you had bullies do that to you. Would you have just been like, oh, okay, guys? <laughs> you got to keep up the illusion, man. That's the okay. thing. You got to got to stay sharp. You can't, you know, if somebody bullied Bruce Wayne, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know it'd be hard to bully Bruce Wayne, but if somebody, like, made fun of Bruce Wayne's hair online, and then you were at the crib, and then Batman swung through your window, was like, how dare you make fun of Bruce Wayne's hairline? This messed up. Uh-huh. Don't do that. Oh, oh, you're you're making the also, mistake of you're making the mistake of saying the reason why you're beating him up. You just oh, you just going oh, unannounced. Oh well, I mean, I'm, okay. So Bruce Wayne, he's doing the research. You're like, wow, I saw you just downloaded a movie illegally online. There you swings go. Swings to your door. Don't download movies online. Right. Would you steal a car? Would you steal a purse? Would you download a uh you know a water bottle? No. And then kicks you, breaks your spine, and then leaves. That'd be that'd be crazy. Right. You know, so now you gotta you gotta keep it separate. You know, you gotta, green you bottles go in a slide. different recycling bin. Yeah, yeah, you gotta let it slide. Well, okay, that's fine. Well, what I'm not gonna let slide is uh, our main bad villains here, oh because I'd like to think that this was. Jomi, did any of this make sense? It's, did it's, any it's, of the, the of the motivations of our of our uh, villains make sense here? It's a lot of confusing. It's a lot of confusing. It's a lot of confusing. Not a little confusing. It's a lot of confusing. Uh, so you've got Hesperia, right? You've got Athena, okay, who we're like, okay, like at the end, we're like, okay, these are our, our, good, our good heroes. Here's where we rock with. And then you've got Calypso, who is the worst of the worst, wants to see everybody die and perish, except for the fact she's, not the like the main bad guy for most of it. It's Hespera. Right. It's Helen Mirren. confusing. Helen Mirren spends like the first two thirds of the movie like hey, Shazam is saying what you want, my boy. She's monologuing. She's, She's got doing it all. The, the whole evil thing. She's being mean to Calypso, right? She's like not being nice to Athena. And you're sitting there like, okay, well, obviously, you know, Helen Mirren, she the she the real ops. And then they kind of like twist it when they get to see the life. And Helen Mirren's like, hey, we're cool, man. We can plant that thing right here. Calypso's like, no, we got to plant it on Earth. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what's going on? What happened to the whole, you know, the powers and ah, all that, uh, you know, aggression that you had? All of a sudden, just like, hey, man, I'm chilling now, bro. You know, we got to see the life. Let's call it. Like, what happened was this? I can kind of see because, because Helen Mirren. Uh, Hesperia is kind of a dick to Calypso, right? Right. Kind of mean, you know, the first thing when they get the staff, she smacks her hand, right? He's like, uh-uh. I so, get the top half. <laughs> so in my head, I'm thinking, oh, Calypso is going to switch up because Hespera is mean. Right. And they're going to drive a waste between them and Calypso going to be like, hey, you know what? You're the worst. I don't like you, you know, but it, like that did happen. But in the opposite way, it's it's a heel turn within their own motivation. Like they like their motivations aligned and then immediately crossed on the opposite sides of each other. It's so weird. And what's weird about it is if a spirit just wanted to see the life to be able to plant the thing uh, to plant it in their own realm. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, all you got to do is be like, hey, listen, I need to see the life. You know, I'm trying to, you know, you guys broke the seal. It's kudo. Look, uh. You know, you give us a set of life. Let's make a deal, okay? You want to keep your powers? Don't want us to come back? We'll just plant the seed in our place and keep it pushing. Say no more. Billy, if you're Billy, you're like, hell yeah, man. What's up? Mm-hmm. Where, where, where to see that? Just get rid of the dome. All right, that's, all, that's all it is. Wait, don't even need a dome. Just talk to me. Tell me what you need, because apparently yeah. that's all she wanted. 
Right. And you didn't have to do any of that carnage, any of that nonsense. We could have let it slide. For didn't need to reason. unleash all these hell beasts. We didn't need no. any of that. Didn't need any of that. All you had to do was give her the state of life. We could have worked something out. But now there's a dome. Now there's enemies attacking. For why? For why, Steve? We could have. Ju- they could have briefed it a little bit better. They could have had our. De- they could have had a deck. They could have had a bit more of a plan. Brief it with everybody. That's another thing. So again, uh, I, I was I was kind of fascinated by Rachel Ziegler's uh, power set as well because she basically has like Doctor Strange movement of buildings powers. No, she got mirror dimension powers, bro. Which is insane because it like it's actually as if she's moving the whole city, I think, and not like this isn't an illusion. She'll just teleport herself by moving yeah, a whole like, city. Yeah, I don't. It it doesn't make any sense. The power of access, power right, of access, chaos, power of chaos, mm-hmm. the power of access, and then um, Helen Mirren had some some cool power. I can't, honestly can't remember if I'm being. She punched. She punched good. She, she punched she, good. She make a big katamari ball of metal things that she'll eventually get crisscrossed. You know, like it was. I, I just could. I couldn't believe they got Helen Mirren for this, man. I easily believe that they got Helen I, Mirren for this. If they no, can get man. it for the fast movies, come on. But the fast movies, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to say this from gravitas, right? Like, let me not lie. Okay. But you know, look. She's done hits like real big movies, like short, like National Treasure Book of Secrets. There you go. You know what I mean? The so, Queen. So how could she read two? Okay. <laughs> so for her to be in this movie, yeah. look, we all need to check. Right, let me how, how, how dare how dare she step down from Red Two to this? Yeah, you know we all need a bag. You know, let me not hate. You know, she getting her money. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm all I'm all for a bag, you feel me? But I was watching movies, I was like, man, hella Mary, you, they didn't call you back for fast ten? I think well, honestly, given her uh, strange absence throughout the last half of this movie, I feel like she probably was filming some stuff in Fast Ten during this. Because <laughs> that's again, what happened. That's what happened. That's why they had to reshoot the movie. That's right. why they had to reshoot at the end. It was looking a little weird because they was like, ah, dang. <sighs> Vin calls. When Vin calls, I answer. <laughs> and she had to go. I understand. When the family comes a calling, gotta gotta roll. I understand. It's good to stay up to date. That's why you listen to all of your favorite ringer podcasts, right? And that's why the 2024 Nissan Rogue has Google built right into its 12.3 inch touchscreen infotainment system. With Google Maps, Assistant, and more. You can stay up to date on everything that's ahead without even needing to connect your phone. Find your next adventure with a Nissan SUV. Learn more about the Nissan Rogue, Pathfinder, and Armada at NissanUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Duncan. Duncan just dropped a new kind of energy, and they call it sparked energy. Are you a spontaneous spirit who likes bringing a high-octane feel to the group chat? Grab a Berry Burst sparked energy. Love bringing that upbeat comedy vibe wherever you go? Turn the fun up to 11 with their peach sunshine flavor. Whatever your energy, Dunkin's here to match it with a revitalizing burst of caffeine and full-on fruit flavors. Even better, a medium sparked energy is $3 now through March 19th. Drop by and get sparked by Dunkin. Sparked energy drinks are fruit flavored, contain 0% fruit juice. Beverages contain caffeine from caffeine and guarana. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected. An inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue. A surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland. Watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being. Present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. Let's talk about Jaiman Hansu. Woo! Honestly, I think he was my favorite part of the first movie. And really? I really, because he's so serious and so funny, and he's wearing such a terrible wig and a terrible fake beard that it embraces the absolute hilarity of kind of how absurd the whole thing is. 
about how wacky and fun all of these superheroes and wizards and ancient magic can be. It was a complete like 80s throwback to like the ancient uh, mystical man that will give our hero his powers. Uh, but also he's like really grumpy and funny at times. With this, I I don't I don't really know how this movie thought it could use him because at the end of the day, he was just kind of used as a sidekick to Freddy. <laughs> to Freddy. <laughs> and uh, eventually just being like, no, we must go here. And that's it. Nah, I mean, I, man, I don't know. I think the film used them. I mean, it definitely wasn't as impactful as the first film, but no. like a little bit of comic relief, you know, where they come in and Freddy's like, you're supposed to be a wizard. You got no spells no horcruxes no nothing he's like nah bro i've been in this cell 40 days and 40 nights man mm-hmm. this is where i live this is where it's he at. got a really bad splinter coming out of his finger that was gross that was okay. disgusting and this is where i kind of i gotta have to start to praise uh our director uh david f sandberg here a director of horror films such as annabelle and a couple of others uh you can really tell that he tried to put in like quite a bit more like tender love and care for a couple of like practical effects, monster designs and incredible acts of violence in this movie that I was genuinely shocked and impressed by at points. There's a moment where there like all we see all of these like eggs like being birthing all of these monsters as like throughout the streets of Philadelphia and one becomes like a lion with like a scorpion tail and it just stabs and impales a woman and then throws her into a building and i was like oh my god that's awesome for a second i don't know why she was looking at that thing too closely uh because she just that's the same lady who if you recall just survived the wood splinter thing right yes like the world is turning into like it's looking like uh last of us cordyceps was coming through uh-huh. everything. Well, when it rains and, Olympian monsters, it pours, Joe. Me. And sometimes you're is, just gonna have a bad day. If I just got, if I just narrowly survived getting stabbed by the wood from the Tree of Life, magic, magic wood splinters. Yes, I would keep running. I would not stop and stare at the bubbling mass of goo right. that's in the street. I would keep it pushing. That's it. That's enough keep proof the for you. Muscle in my hustle. Uh-huh. You feel me? I'm not really. I'd, I'd run all the looking, way down to Jersey for that. I'm not looking. I'm not looking for no adventures. I'm not like, ooh, what's that? This isn't a scenic route. This isn't Universal Studios tour. You understand what I'm saying? This isn't the Hollywood Hills TMZ bus where you stop and take pictures. You keep it moving. But I also, that was nuts. But it's also like there's occasionally like really nuts and like innovative surprising ideas in this movie where like mm-hmm. we just Freddie just sees his like favorite teacher like kill himself that was like, crazy jumps off that was building. so nuts and i was like oh my god like this movie did not need to do that, that was, but it and, did it was so insane why why'd you do that to d de- to, to my man teacher bader man right why brave and the bold batman come on come on it's tough I th- th- so there like there are moments in this movie that genuinely did surprise me. So I can't really discount that. I can't really write this movie entirely off because like with the first one, there are these like moments of creative spark and brilliance that I really really did love. And it's fewer and far between in this one obviously, but there are moments of action, there are moments of uh thrill and horror and particularly in these monster designs that I'm like we don't see this enough there's like little bits of like good shit in here you don't see unicorns enough uh, for real though like honestly (laughs) like you don't see death steeds like that you don't see like a man in a cyclops outfit like that you don't see like those crazy like harpies with the like bat wings and cool hair in a kids movie, like pulling people up and ripping people in half, like that's a like you don't see that. And I was like, I was like, okay, all right, there's a little thing, there's, there's a little something here. Uh, but for the most part, uh, we can still call this standard superhero fair for the most part, and ultimately that leads to to things that are more than a little disappointing. I think by the end of this movie. Do you think that there's something to be 
redeemed from? Was this outing worth it? Was this something that you ultimately enjoyed? Or do you think that they really could have used some more time in the lab on this one? I think they could have put another couple summers on this one, my boy. Couple summers? You know, you know, five, you know, three beats a day for five summers, you know what I'm saying? Like there they was, put in three beats and then they're like, Yeah, that's that's good enough. Nah, man, you know, there again, like there there are some stuff, like there's some through lines, like I said in the beginning, the emotional through lines of the film that I believe could have made this so much better, so much more right. interesting. And they just didn't expand on it or or keep those threads going throughout the film. And knowing that was my favorite part of the first film, coming back to the second part, I'm like, oh, I missed that. I, I wish there was more of that, you know? At that with, you know, the confusing sisters and mm-hmm. the the plot, you know, being the plot. And, you know, yeah, sure, cool dragon fight. You know what I mean? He calls, he's, he, met, he says... Uh, K Khaleesi, which is which is nuts in 2023. It feels dated now. I'm like, you could have at least called her like Daenerys, like uh, the Valerians, right? The yeah. Targaryens. Uh, Aegon. Yeah. It was like, hey, we Aemond. can't say Aegon. Because hey, Aemond or something like that. Aemond. Okay, yeah. No, those are way way more deeper cuts. All right. I just feel like acting like watch- we didn't all just see House of the Dragon last season. Okay, but like I just you know I just felt like the Khaleesi thing was like was like weird because again like when was the last time somebody called her Khaleesi in Game of Thrones like legitimately? I, like season four. Oh boy, we're gonna look like fools. I, I don't mean, know. Look, look. Can you call Mal? I know it's early on a Sunday, but it's Mal. Yeah, available. absolutely. We're gonna get her right on the line here. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just like it's just like things like that where I was like. Yeah, the cool things were too few and far between, so where I can sit there and be like, I, you know, really enjoyed the the film. You know, a little tighter, a little more emotional punch, and we're having a different conversation. But at the end of the day, it did not hit for me the way the first one did. So you're saying you could have used more product placement? I could have used so much more product placement. Let's talk about it, buddy. Taste the rainbow, mother. I really didn't think. Uh, we'd have a little girl saying that. Listen, listen, real cinema in that moment right there. Did you? Because I was, I think that's where I was like, oh boy, real cinema. That was, that was, I'm not gonna lie. That did get a laugh out of me. It did. Okay. I'll say this. When she tossed the Skittles in slow motion and you could sit so far, so much to where you could see the S on one of them. I'm like. Skittles paid a fortune for this. These movies don't pay Skittles for themselves, Skittles paid a Steve. fortune for this. I did like the gag where she gave her, where she was about to give Helen Mirren a bowl of all yellow. And she's like, now I believe in some human rights. You don't deserve red, but. <laughs> that, well, I mean, they, they do it like a, it's just do a sneaky good job of setting that up. Yeah. Where, you know, the, the older sister's like, hey, why did my jeans get washed with Skittles in them? And she's like, well, I wanted you to, you know, Faith's like, I wanted this to be a surprise. She's like, <laughs> Mary's like, no, man, that's that's not how that works. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not, it's not like, like a good surprise. It's not a good surprise, right? And then you mentioned the the Skittles in the in the in the lair, and then yeah, she like throws the Skittles at the at the the thing and the, the moment unicorn. They- it's like, oh, cool, that that worked too. And we're like, what the. Okay, the cool, moment they said ambrosia, I'm like, oh God, here we go. I didn't put that. I like did they're going to do that. Together. I didn't think. I did not think the movie. Was I played too much Hades. I know exactly what ambrosia is. So it's that's, honey. That's got to be honey, right? It, yeah, it's basically like like godlike sweet honey. Yeah. So Skittles are ambrosia. The, you know, hey, that, next to godliness. Next to godliness, Skittles. I have a question for you. Yes. So we assume that Skittles paid a lot for this, right? Uh, don't assume. No, okay. that Skittles cool. paid a lot for this. Who do we think paid more, right? Skittles for this movie, Olive Garden for Sonic, or Krispy Kreme for Power Rangers? Oh, God. I th- I want to say, only based on how integral they were to the movie, mm-hmm. I feel like it's Skittles. I can't re- quite recall how integral Krispy Kreme was to Dog, Power Rangers. My brother in Christ. It is Krispy Kreme. It is Krispy Kreme? That, okay. That, that was insane. Like literally, uh, Elizabeth Banks is there. Like, where's Krispy Kreme? We gotta go to Krispy Kreme as the villain, right? Right. 
And then she's at, like, literally at the Krispy Kreme, eating a donut and drinking cop bro. Like, it's I'm trying so to remember blatant and foul. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, like, the biggest point of product placement in the DCEU. It, it, like, didn't Superman crash into an IHOP? Didn't that happen? It was a Sears and no, 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 IHOP. Man of Steel. It was, yeah, yeah, man, Sears it was IHOP. IHOP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, there was a Mountain Dew thing. Was it a 7-Eleven too? Shit. He crashed into a lot. There was a lot. He crashed, a lot he crashed into a lot. Turns out, Superman, come on, place. clean this up. MCU, they they do it sneaky, right? Like they're, it's well, they're just, just like put a, an, they just put an Acura exactly. in, in the frame. It's, it's an yeah. Acura commercial. And there's a shot of the Avengers where they're like, there's an like Acura and they're running through like it's Cap and right. uh, Hawkeye and Black Widow after the, the plane crash in New York. And they just run through the spot. They're in the shop for maybe like three seconds, but the Acura is there for 12. Right. I mean? And untouched. Like, untouched. Just like, a, you know, I, well, I think like, you know, it's the same there's some like dust on it, but like no dents, yeah. no nothing. But it's definitely like, cool. Really cool. Acura paid for this, paid like big bucks, but it's not like the, it's the, they don't be like, guys, we have to get into the Acura ZC 700 to save New York. Listen, like do you guys remember do was. you remember the controversy in WandaVision when she drove off in a Buick and, and not an Acura? We were like, what happened? It's like, what the fuck? What happened? Buick came for snatched the chain. <laughs> Listen, here's how this works, man. You know, film making films are expensive. You, you know, you they are. There's a lot of money, there's a lot of time involved. Business if and commerce comes sometimes go hand in hand. Art and if commerce. You can get somebody to subsidize your bag, you know what I'm saying? Hey, we need 175 mil to make this movie. We only have 150. Who's trying to pay 25 million? Listen, we got to make get, this wood dragon look as best as it can. Who's ready you know to taste I mean? the rainbow? All right, we'll make Skittles and integral. It's really funny because in that moment, I'm like, I'm in the theater and mm-hmm. I'm eating Skittles. Like it's like my, my go-to candy in the place. So I'm like, hey man, did I contribute to being part of this film? Am I? The problem is it me? No, no, you're a victim. No, there's no, there's no, there's no, uh, yeah, no, yeah, no, no ethical consumption under capitalism. We know that. Oh, that's uh, oh man, I gave him a best shot. You can't, you can't win them all. (laughs) Stop. We really, really can't. All right, before we go, before we move on, we got to talk about the big, big, big bad cameo. That uh, I'm going to say served little to no purpose here, but uh, we kind of got to do it. Yeah. Wonder Woman shows up, end of the movie. Oh, my God. To uh, more or less not bring Billy back to life. I thought for a second she was about to bring him back to life, which would have been insane. She Did she not? Uh, no, because apparently he would have healed anyway. She's like, I, you buried me. and Because Billy wakes up and he's like, you buried me in two minutes. Like I was gonna be fine. But no, I, no, 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 no. He died. Maybe he died like a like a mug. Yes, and he was like you, like you buried me so fast. You didn't even there was no you didn't even wait. Now, I know that really is true. They, they and which is weird because like he died in kid form, but then woke up in Shazam form. Now, yeah, that's that is weird. Well, I guess that's how that's supposed to work, right? You're supposed to do the Shazam and. You know, you wake up and like, oh, oh, cool. You know, look at me. Uh, <laughs> look at me. That's how that's how he says it. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, 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 I could see that. I could, I could absolutely see that. And this is what I was saying about like there being actual moments of charm and inspiration in here. Uh, again, I hate to keep bringing back the the first Shazam, but like there was a it's a great wink and nod to end the first Shazam with a Superman cameo that's not a Superman cameo. Where the like everything but the neck down is Superman, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, he's here!" But like, clearly they don't have Henry Cavill. Clearly, there's like this weird tacit acknowledgement that like, okay, maybe Billy and Shazam aren't exactly up in the big leagues with the Justice League like that. Man, and I, hated I found that. it very, I found it very cute and charming. I really did. I really, really did. And then when Billy has this like. Romance fantasy about going on a date with Wonder Woman in Paris, but like you don't see her face. I'm like, okay, this is funny because 
they clearly don't have Gal Gadot. They can't get Gal Gadot. Why would they get Gal Gadot? We just need a girl like just standing in the in the costume, being like uh 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 from the back, and that's all that you need. And then the wizard shows up, and it's his face. That's very very funny. I hated every single second. Of I loved every single sequence. second of that. Hated it, but I was like, clearly you can't get Gal Gadot. No, but that's right? the thing. They can. Why? They can. So why bother? No. What do you? Huh? What? What are you? What are you talking about? What does that mean? That means that, like, okay, if you could get Gal Gadot for that one scene, why not get her for the the restaurant scene as well? Yeah. Exactly. That's my that's- problem. That's no, but that's my whole point. Where I'm like, okay, well, we don't need to spoil it. We don't need to have her in there. It spoil could just be it. my brother in Christ. It was on the trailer. I understand they put that. that on the TV. She was in the movie. Why would you advertise that? And then we come to the theater and we're like, oh look, it's Wonder Woman, and it's clearly not Wonder Woman. It's a, a it's a it's a nice person getting paid very handsomely in <laughs> the Wonder Woman suit from the neck down. Not as handsomely, but, you know. You know, good for you. Get your bag. You feel me? I ain't never going to be a play hate on play getting a bag. But we know she's in the film. Why? Why you tease? Why? What's with the tease? <laughs> who, who are you fooling? It was, it was crazy. That's when they really knew that the box office was in trouble. They really did. Know I that. guess if you want to say, like, as a bit, you know, it's cool. Like, it's a, it's a fun bit, but you can't spoil the bit when I'm watching. Uh, Get on the I'm trailer. Watching, yeah. I'm watching, you know, Wednesday basketball on Wednesday night on ESPN and they're like you know she walks off with the staff literally the end of the film is yeah, in the trailer this is the last shot it's one of the last shots in the movie I'm like oh cool spoiler alert I guess you know I didn't know she was in the movie like that but cool hmm. you know and then yeah like yeah I get like I said if it's a bit if you want to do it as a bit I could see that but no no man I think Penn Steve should have had a couple more passes on the script is all I'll Penn say. Steve was great Penn, Penn Steve, Steve was great, was great. Penn Steve was great. Top 10 Steve right there. Love me. All right. Penn Steve. Let's go to one of our final segments here for the day. Last one, flash one. With the passing of Shazam 2, rest in peace. Now we have one more Snyderverse outing for the changing of the guard of James Gunn's DCU. DC Universe. Whatever James Gunn wants to do because he's directing the whole damn thing now. Are we going to miss some of the lighthearted outings that the Shazam films brought to us? Or are you ready for a more raucous, comedic, gunified vision from James Gunn? Mm, well, yeah, you want something more streamlined. Uh, you know, there, there was always room, like the MCU we talk about, you know, as a blueprint for these things. There's Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy came out the same year. Right, those are very, very different movies in terms of tone, and you know the energies of the film. You know, one is very, you know, serious. You know, asks you to you know look at what it you know what being Captain America means, what being like you know holy like you know real 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 different. Like it's real spy, real thriller. Whereas mm-hmm. Guardians is a comedy. You know, it's a family right. comedy, right? Well, not really family. There are so many problems. It's a comedy about family. Yeah, you know what I mean? So there's absolutely room for that. I'd be interested to see how James Gunn delivers that and how he balances it. You know, because he's, you know, coming to direct the first Superman movie. That's going to set the tone. That's going to let us know what, you know, his ideal is if Superman's going to lead the charge in this next phase. So how does that set up the pins for the rest of the DC extended universe? I'll be interested to see, but when it's all said and done to like fully answer your question, absolutely. I hope there's much diversity in the films that we see. Cause you don't want to see the same. The thousands of problems with the sign of first, it was all the same, all droopy, mm. all sad, all, you know, I'm going to say all bad. Let me not piss off the sign of first fans. But hey, they, all Martha. Why did you know, say that name? Martha. There was, you know, there's some good there, but like, I don't want all the movies to be the same at the end of the day. So I hope there is room for diversity in the filmmaking we get for the new James Gunn cinematic universe. I think my one proclamation to James Gunn is that I would say, don't forget the good elements that came from these movies. Don't miss out on these cool monsters. Don't miss out on the heart that Billy Batson can bring, that a Billy Batson's family and 
wonder can bring to those movies. Obviously, I'm excited to see what uh, Gunn and his team can bring to this new batch of heroes and new batch of characters that we're going to be seeing that we haven't seen almost ever. Um, But I really don't want it to... I I fear it getting watered down by a a certain unified vision here. Um, Like we've had before. And I, what Shazam was to me was an ultimate breaking of that Snyderverse mold. That it can be lighthearted. That it can be funny. That it can be warm and endearing for kids. And I like that palate cleanse. That shift in flavor to something a bit more appealing. Uh, not to say that they aren't appealing, but like it, it's a, it's a, it's a new style that we can bring to this. I think that James Gunn is a smart enough uh, film creative that he can bring on a lot of people with a lot of great different ideas. I don't doubt that. But what I hope is that we can have that diversity of vision while also not losing sight of fun, flashiness, and ultimately uh, family-friendly fare. This was... uh, the first Shazam really, really, really means a lot to me. And I hope that that is echoed throughout films to come. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the final films to come, The Flash is coming out this year. Ooh. You got word that uh, uh, Cinema God himself, Tom Cruise, gave it the cosign and blessing that he loved the movie. Uh, do we think that the Snyderverse will be going out with a bang or will it be going out with a whimper with The Flash? It's going to go out with a enormous bang and we're gonna be sitting here wondering like dang we missed out on real cinema bring snyder back we missed out on the best of how films can be how dare we should we should we spoke too soon <laughs> if that's the discourse i want the flash to suck <laughs> oh yeah no i don't look i think look every single conversation about the film is how great it is and how awesome it is and how just wow what a what a what a concept what a what a what a sure. film how how this how is the movie we need right exactly now. right and so a lot of gas mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen a lot a lot of gas surrounding this movie look if it's if it's bad then it's bad right and then we'll just be like cool then we'll keep it pushing we'll, Great. It, we'll keep it pushing i think if it's really good it does raise questions right like so who plays the flash in the future can we integrate this movie into the larger DCEU? You know, they're at, a, they're at a point where they can start picking and choosing, mm-hmm. right? What they want to be canon, what they want to not be canon. And so it's going to, look, I'm not the one who has to answer these questions, right? That's James Gunn and Peter Safran, right? That's all sure. them when it's all said and done. But man, if it's a great movie, how do you then say, cool? Everybody loved it. Everybody had a great time. Want to see more of this? Tough scene, right? Like it's ah, it starts to get a little dicey in the DC Studios office, man. It does. I mean, it, it does. If the Flash is a hit, then they go out with a bang, and they can uh, be like, "Great, we had a great run with that. All of the tumultuous problems that we had leading up to this was worth it." And we'll see you in the next iteration of these heroes. Ultimately, I think that this is just something that we are ready to be ready to see out in our screens because I'm still a little bit bitter about the Batgirl fiasco and the fact that, you know, if we're ready for this to all be over, uh, this better be something good when it's, it's all said and done. I'm sure Batgirl's floating around there somewhere, man. You just got to get on your dark web skills, man. I'll be they, I'll be hacking they, into those servers. They leaked the Scooby Doo movie. Yeah, here's the thing though, right? They leaked the Scooby Doo movie. Said it was bad, man. Again, <laughs> the we streets will be the, streets. the judge. No, of that. the streets who saw it said it was bad. That's fine. This is like you just know what I mean? own like, up to it, cowards. You know, I, I mean, sit like, on it. Look, look. You know, you can't all they can't all be winners. You know what I mean? Like, look, if you made a meal for some people and you ate it and you were like, ah, man, this is bad. You wouldn't still bring it out to yeah, the but table. You, you say it like, like they can't all be they can't all be uh, winners. 
I'm on the opposite side. They can't all be losers. That's why I gave Shazam 2 a shot. I don't know. Here's like, they the can't thing, right? all be losers. If you, if you, if you make a Scooby-Doo film, right, after Velma has come out, which is... Let's, the, okay. The, one We're of treading the worst, lightly here. I mean, let's be very clear. Velma's one of the worst things that's ever been produced in media in a long time. It's bad. I have not, I have not had the privilege of seeing it, but Joey, I, if you are willing to stand on nah, that, I will nah, give so, you the platform. So here's the thing, right? You know me, man. I watch a lot of garbage. Hey. I watch a lot Nobody's going to step to that, buddy. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, you know, I watch a show that's not great because there's like, ooh, a love triangle I'm interested. Or, man, I really love these meta bits. You know what I mean? Velma's legitimately one of the worst shows I've ever seen. I could only get through one episode. Like, it was just, there was so much cringe. And I'm not even, like, I don't even use that word, like, online like that. But yeah, no, like, it's it, I kind of hate it, it's overused a lot, but yes, that no, it, but this like, could apply. I'm telling you, watch go just go watch episode one right now when we're done. Just go put on episode one, and like you're gonna be like, nah, I, I can't watch this. It's just not good, right? That came out. The Scooby Doo movie also came out, and people were like, these are both terrible. <laughs> it wasn't like they were like, well, this is better than Velma. It was like, oh no, these are both not great. You know, I'm sure people put Velma below the CBD movie, but they're like, yeah, these are both not good. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the thing is, you probably could have kept Velma, you know, shelved that one and given us Batgirl if that's how you really feel, Steve. But, you know, hey, look, all I'm saying is maybe they had a reason. Maybe Batgirl. If we're making cuts, I got a lot more things to cut more than Batgirl. That's you're all I'm to, saying. You're trying to get succession cut. See, like, you're not even, you're not even like, Nuke vision. it from orbit. No, I'm kidding. I, I would never. I absolutely would never. All right. Well, with that uh, absurd claim. It's not absurd. I, it's facts. It's, it's true. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen the reviews. It's very man. true. Uh, we're going to call it there. Guys, it's always great talking to you. We're so happy that you listen. We're so happy that you're here with us. And we're going to be back next time to talk about... Guess what, Joe? Guess what? I don't, I, I don't know. Tell us. Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. Roll for initiative. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have a lot of surprises. We're going to have a very, very fun time. But until then, be sure to check out the rest of the Ring Reverse. Every Wednesday, the Midnight Boys are going to be giving you their instant reactions to The Mandalorian, as well as on Fridays, the House of R will be giving you their deep dives. Check in with them. And remember, thank you so, so much. To our great producer, Jonathan Kerma, and additional production from our Junior Ramco pal. Junior Mints, once again, thank you for so much for rocking with us. It means so much that you keep listening. And uh, we know that we're not really on for long or for uh, that often. But really, sticking with us, it's it's a privilege. I really, really appreciate you guys. Jomi, what have you got to say to the people? Everybody listening, we appreciate you. We love you. Thank you for tuning in. As always, you know, I know we don't always have the wisdom of Solo Man, but we go out here, we try our best. Want to give another shout out to our intrepid producer, the great Sean Kermacy. <laughs> and uh, we will see you guys next time. Who wants the Gatorade? This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little 
sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 